No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Mo Porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares. No budget Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, Mo. Oy vey. Mo. What? This is the last episode <laughs> of No Budget Nightmares of 2016. Son of a bitch. I know. What a long, strange year it's been. Can we just agree that 2016 might be the worst year to ever exist, ever? I'm not allowed to get political here, Mo, because I understand that some listeners don't enjoy that. <laughs> I like how you do it anyway. Every week, oh, you're I'm, like, I, I keep saying I'm not going to be political, and then it's like, fucking Donald Trump, you know? I'm not going to get political. I'm just going to mention that if you voted for that fucking idiot, you're probably a fucking idiot. <laughs> I decided I'm going to take a scorched earth policy to our listenership for the end of 2016. All right. Yeah. All right is right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Mo, you're very tired during this recording of No Budget Nightmares. I'm trying to sound as upbeat as I can. Mo! I've been awake for... Oh, Jesus Christ. Christmassy sleigh bells. Yeah. I've been awake for close to 23 hours now, so... Watch out, Mo! Oh, Oh, wait. That was supposed to be a snowball. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Watch I like out! You, I like how you played the uh, the snowball sound effect over the j- the the jingle bells. What's great is that I edit this uh, in post without the sound clips already in the the audio track. I have to put them back in afterwards. So good luck for me trying to get that to fucking work together. <laughs> Mo, you've been up for twenty two hours straight. Yeah. So how's that working out for you? Uh, I mean, not bad. I, you know, it's, it, it sucks, but I'm, whatever, I'm surviving. Are you feeling Christmassy, Mo? No, God, no? I, even, like, on December 25th, I won't feel Christmassy. I don't give a shit about Christmas. What, what about your, uh, stocking, Mo? It's hung by the chimney with care. Hmm, that sounds good. Yeah. And? and? It's, it's, it says, fuck off on it. <laughs> You're gonna stick your dick in it on Christmas Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, it's yeah. Basically, I attached a uh, like a flashlight to the bottom of it, and I already filled it with coal. Yes, so. not coal. Ropes of jizz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just streaming arcs of jizzle. So this this isn't going as planned. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, it's going exactly as I planned. We've uh, we've picked a very Christmassy movie to celebrate on the <laughs> final episode of the year. Yeah, um, it was actually my choice. I don't know if you recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and could you tell me once again what the title of the film is? Uh, well, going by how they pronounce it in the film, it's Jan Gale, the Beast of the East. 
Now, I fucked up the title of it when I said it several times at the end of the most recent episode. However, uh, in my defense, it's really fucking dumb how they pronounce it in the movie. It's really fucking dumb because it really should just be Jangle, you know? Django! Yeah, right. But it's it's Jan Gale. And I'm going to fuck it up when we say it during the movie. I apologize in advance. But I'll also mention to the listeners that this is the first part of a trilogy of Jan Gale movies, Mo. There's three of these? Three. Oh my god, I need to watch the others. Well, I have the others, so you can certainly do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Though I will also tell the listeners that Mo and my reaction to this, this is a rarity on No Budget Nightmares, may have diverged somewhat <laughs> in terms of <laughs> how much one of us appreciated it over the other. Uh, uh, knock, knock, knock. Hint, hint. I loved it. Well, yes, that is a hint. Mo, I have a, <laughs> a, a I have a pet theory about why you may have enjoyed Jangale, the Beast from the East, so much. Well, okay, yeah, I'd love to hear it. All right. Uh, my Our- theory is that this is the movie that we've covered on No Budget Nightmares where the monster or killer looks the most like you. Oh, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying he looks exactly like you. Or that you should be taking offense at that. I just mean that if someone... There's a part in the movie where someone describes him, and I was thinking, boy, I wonder if Mo is thinking right now, hey, this person's kind of describing... It's kind of describing me, too. Don't get me wrong. But it certainly <laughs> certainly describes maybe even the general listenership, again, Scorched Earth policy, of No Budget Nightmares. Ah! 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 So somebody call Velio Kivi. <laughs> so for those who don't know or didn't listen to the last episode, which or you should because it was very good. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Jangale, the Beast from the East, is is a film directed by uh, Ed Wood stock player Conrad Brooks and written by him and starring him as a character named Conrad Brooks. Who's like some I don't know, whatever, some fucking ridiculous character. I fucking love it. Conrad Brooks, the character in the movie, is sort of a monster hunter who is brought in yeah. to like hunt down the Jersey Devil and shit like that. Yeah. He did a tour in South America hunting the Chupacabra. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. he If he's as incompetent at hunting monsters as he is at making movies, then uh, it's, it's a wonder that he would ever track anything down. Mo, what do you think about me saying that? Yeah, I think if he's as incompetent as a monster hunter as he is of a movie maker, then he's the best monster hunter ever. Divergency. <laughs> um, now, I'm just looking at it, at the Internet Movie Database for Jan Gale, The Beast from the East, and it does have a user review, which is titled, A Fun Way to Kill 90 Minutes. It, but, now, But the movie's only like 54 minutes long. The movie is only 54 <laughs> minutes long. So I don't know what this person was doing. Maybe he was watching it in slow motion. Maybe he watched no, the first I think, half of it again. I think the first like 20 minutes was just him shooting up heroin. <laughs> <laughs> now, now uh, I'm sure, Mo, even though we do disagree about some aspects of this movie, I think we would both agree that it is a very poorly made movie. Oh, no, the movie's a piece of shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, we differ on how much enjoyment we were able to squeeze out of that piece of shit into our waiting mouth. Sure, sure. Right. And I wasn't able to get a lot out of it, but Mo was, and again, because he has a passing resemblance to Jangale, the beast Jesus from the Christ. East, who is not to be mistaken for the late Bam Bam Bigelow. I, also the beast from the East. Yeah, right. Uh, no, he doesn't look anything like Bam Bam Bigelow, and he really doesn't look anything like me. Uh, except for the fact that he's fat and bald and 
has a uh, beard and has bugly eyes and has a beard <laughs> and and yells a lot. <laughs> but that, but he does. He's nothing like me at all. <laughs> <laughs> there is that scene in the movie where he vapes for like fifteen minutes straight. <laughs> oh, see, that's not me because I don't go for anything less than forty. So <laughs> uh, this is a uh, a difficult. This is going to be a, a, so much easier to talk about than Double Down was because it has a very straightforward plot. Oh yeah, and just to give a quick summary, all it is is a caveman. Falls off a shipping company's boat, ends up in like what Vermont or not? Where where is this movie taking place? Oh no no it, no no! It's not that far up. Um, it's like West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia, um, <laughs> and Baltimore maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe and, parts of Baltimore. <laughs> and then he and then he just goes on a he just starts attacking people a la Iga, which is hilarious because he doesn't really attack anybody and in fact we never see him really interact with anyone right and there's all there it's there so, always separate shots yeah there's so many scenes in this movie that are separate shots where it's where it's like it's only filming one side of the conversation and the other one's done adr voiceover it's so good i it's, like it just it may every time they do it it makes me fucking laugh it is one of the more incompetently made movies we've covered on this show. And I, in fact, I, I have to say, I am thoroughly surprised that this movie doesn't have the kind of like um the kind of like cult status like <laughs> following that movies like The Room or or Troll 2 have because this is just as over the top ridiculous fun and stupid and incompetently made than <laughs> any of those movies are. And like, like, and it's and it's thirty minutes shorter. It also shows a flaw, Mo, in the mainstream idea of what is so bad it's good, uh, right. which is a, I know it's something that we don't really cater to anyway. I, yeah, but, I don't believe in that term. So, yeah. but the, but the well, it's a term that I just said, so you can believe in. Well, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I believe that it's a term that people use. It's just not something that I agree with. But but the fact is, Jan Gale, Jan Gale, Jan Gale, the Beast from Jan the Gale. East, this movie from 1999, Jan- Jangle, Jangle, uh, is actually worse than uh, in, in terms of, of production quality than any Edward movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in, in so, my in my notes, I even say like, there's a lot of Ed Wood in this, but Edward did it better. Yeah, of yeah. course. And in fact, because there's oh god, there's a scene in this movie featuring a uh, an echo of a famous Edward moment that uh-huh. is so much worse in every goddamn way, in every fucking way. Okay, all right. So let's talk I exa- about. I know exactly. I know exactly the scene you're talking. About. I know you do, Mo. I know we're on the same page, even if it doesn't seem like we are. And that mo- and that fucking scene is like like seven minutes long. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this movie is only an hour, and it still is somehow padded and stretched. Beyond beyond belief, yeah, it's great. Oh my god, this movie! The movie begins, Mo, with a shot of. <laughs> actually, it begins with a title, and what does this title say? Well, it's like a dedication to Tor Johnson and Ed Wood, you know. Not just Tor Johnson, Mo. Tor Tor Johnson, the Swedish Angel, the Swedish Angel, yeah, and Ed Wood. Uh, so I mean, there's obviously um, a very. Uh, He's very aware of the fact that he's making a movie in the style of like a 1950s monster movie. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Well, I just think, I don't think he, I, I think it's just that he doesn't know anything else. You know, like I don't even necessarily think he's trying to make it in the style of, I think he's just making it in the style that he knows. 
And that just happens to be what it is. And now this is a movie shot on video, and this is shot on video in the very traditional way that we say this. Even though the movie came out in 1999, it's on like a, it seems to be like a standard store-bought camcorder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, we're, yeah. you know, limited funds for making this movie and limited equipment, I would say. Oh, yeah. There are there are shots in this movie all over the place that it is 100% clear that he had no fucking permits uh, to make it. And frankly, was surprising that he didn't get fucking arrested for some of the shit he was doing. Now, before we talk about the plot proper after the opening credits in that title, <laughs> Mo, you, big, you parenth- ha- big parentheses on plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the, the, you had a run in with Conrad Brooks at some point. I did actually not too long after this was made, like early two thousands. Um, I was at a chiller theater convention down in New Jersey. Um, cause I used to go cause it's every April and October and I forget which one it was, but I was at it and there was a big, like, like cosplay nonsense happening in one of the main, um, intersections so I had to like work my way around the back of the crowd, uh, like around this this aisle, and I'm walking down the aisle, and this dude kind of grabs my arm as I'm walking by, and he goes, he goes, "Hey man, hey, hey, you like uh, you like Ed Wood films?" And I'm like, "I do actually, I, I'm I'm a I'm a fan." He goes, "Oh yeah, I, I sit sit down, man. I had I, I did some work with him," and he starts like hitting <laughs> hitting me with like the hardest hard sell ever. And it wasn't until like five minutes into him trying to sell me movies that he's like, yeah, man, I'm Conrad Brooks. I uh, I did a lot of work with him, you know? And he starts showing me these pictures of like him and Ed Wood and like him and Tor Johnson and, you know, and him and like uh, Bela Lugosi Jr., you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's fucking brilliant, you know? And so like a half an hour later, like I was literally stuck with him for a half an hour and I, you know, and, and I will say like a lot of the celebrity, uh, interactions I've had at these conventions have been like really great. You know, this was the most awkward, <laughs> you know, like painful experience I've had. And that's, that includes talking to a, a drunken Walter Koenig who had, who wanted nothing to do with being there. Leave um, the man alone. His son died. His his son didn't die seventeen years ago. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, so N- nuclear so, vessels. No, wait. I no, said vessels. W- nuclear vessels. 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 Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he hard sells me like six movies. He could have. You could have bought this movie at that time. Yeah, and I wish I had because I would have fucking loved it. Um, instead I bought this really shitty movie called the Ironbound vampire, which was just like so fucking bad. Um, <laughs> not, not like this. <laughs> no, no, this one was fun. That one was bad and bad. This one was just, was bad and fun. Um, but I, yeah, but I bought a bunch of Ed Wood films and it's not even stuff like he was putting out. It was all just like, like Ed Wood classics, you know? No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a question for you about Conrad yeah. Brooks. Oh, and by the way, he was wearing the exact same outfit that he wears in this movie. That is when, what I was going I, to ask yeah. you. I was going to he ask, wore, was there... The exact same outfit. Did he have a cowboy hat? Yeah, he had the fucking cowboy hat and everything. He was wearing, like, the fucking, like, you know, jeans and uh, the dark jeans and the and the black button-up shirt and the cowboy hat. 
Fucking Conrad Brooks. Fucking Conrad Brooks, man. Conrad Brooks presents Jangale, the Beast from the East. And this movie starts, Mo, with a, a very welcome sight. The face, the round face of one Mr. George Stover. Yes. And George Stover, wait, I got to get the name of his character here because it's ridiculous. George Stover plays a character named Professor Vejo Kivi. Vejo Kivi. And I think he may actually be trying an accent in the movie. Uh, I think he is too. But it does not necessarily come through. He is a doctor, Mo, and he's reading, you can tell he's a doctor because he's reading a book on human (laughs) evolution. Oh man, I love I love George. I really do. And like anytime you see him, like even just like a a, a short stint role like this, it's still great to see him. But this is, I mean, like honestly, like his delivery. It's, and it's not him. It's the script. It's so bad. Well, we don't need to just say that, Mo. <laughs> we yeah, can... yeah, 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 yeah. The phone rings. He picks it up. He is expecting a shipment, and then he says this. What? A fire on the freighter. Was the specimen damaged? It was lost. This is unbelievable. The university has been dealing with your shipping line because of its reputation. And now you tell us that our specimen is missing? Now, remember what I said about him having an accent? Maybe? Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? So the shipment that he's talking about is Jangale. Jangale. Who I guess is frozen in ice. Like the the because we because this movie has no money, it's not like we get to see a boat or something falling off a boat or, or even ice. Or even ice or him or even even a fucking fat guy in 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 furs laying in a pool of water. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even get that. Um, well yeah, they didn't want they didn't want to have to ruin the furs. And since this movie was clearly edited in camera, uh, <laughs> they couldn't afford that stuff. He somehow escapes from, like, a, an ice block in the Atlantic Ocean and gets to West Virginia. Sure. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me, Mo. I think there's some holes in the story. Maybe the sequels are actually prequels and it explains all of this. Let's hope so. Well, the shipping company, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're sheepishly, I guess, telling George Stover what's, uh, what's happened. And he says, Remember, if this specimen is not found... Your shipping line will be linked with this loss in the history books. And I don't think you want that type of publicity. (laughs) All right. (laughs) He says it's one of the most important scientific discoveries of the 20th century. There's a uh, trend in this movie of people saying things that they should be, like, outraged about or worried about or having some kind of reaction to Mm -hmm. and having no reaction whatsoever. Yes. And I feel like, and I feel like even as much as I love George Stover as an actor, like this is another situation where like, or not another, this is the first of many situations where you have a character who had something really horrible happen to him, like 20 fucking years of his life hunting down this specimen you know, and uh, and what does he do? He just pops a top on a beer and pours some into a glass and like ruminates on the issue. It's like he doesn't he, do, he doesn't seem to find it disturbing at all that like he ha- he doesn't have this find anymore. I like how he tells the shipping company he's like 
you will be held responsible for the condition of it. And I have photographs to show how well preserved it was. <laughs> like that's an important detail to include right, here at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Uh, also, also, by the way, George Stover does not appear in the rest of this movie. No, it's just this. He does get to finish off after taking the swig of delicious saku. <laughs> he says this. And this is how we know the pronunciation of the lead character. 20 years of my life looking for this specimen. 50,000 years old. Jan Gale, the king of his tribe. <laughs> I will say, Mo, I think the music in this movie is the most competently done part of it. Yeah, there's one scene in particular where the music is like oddly whimsical and marchy, oh, I know, and like yeah. doesn't it doesn't fit in at all with what's happening. But yeah, I think I think the music for the most part it's it's, it's actually not bad. It's a pretty well scored film. Well, since we don't have the ability to have footage of everything that's supposed to happen after that opening phone call, <laughs> we go right into the first attack, and this attack <clears throat> takes place, Mo, at a swimming pool. Or I guess like a some a person's swimming pool, I should say. Not like a public pool. No, it's at their house, yeah. Yeah, and a guy jumps off a diving board, slowly swims <laughs> to the other side of the pool. <laughs> Unnecessarily slowly, he swims. Yeah. And, and I guess his wife is there and she says it was a nice jump. And then she hears something, Mo. And, and she goes, did you hear that strange noise? Well, let's go for a swim, which is another odd thing to say because they're already, they're already in the, in water. the pool. <laughs> and like, and she's just like, "Yeah, great idea." And this is where we get our first real look at Jangale. And describe Jangale to me, Mo, without using yourself as a reference point. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, okay. So imagine Kevin Smith. In- uh huh. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Yoga no, hosers, seriously. I gotcha. Yeah, yoga hosers. Imagine the Bratzies. Uh <laughs> No, no, he's he he's he's a fat guy, um bald with big buggy eyes. Uh which is pr- like imagine Il Duce from the from the mentors if you will. Right. Um but not that he made it like, to 1999. <laughs> No, 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 he definitely did not make it to 1999. Um, yeah, he fell asleep on train tracks. <laughs> As one does. As one does. So, yeah, Jen Gale's a big fat guy. So with, a big, with, yeah, he's a big fat guy with big beard, bald head, big buggy eyes, and, like, painted circles under him, you know. That yeah. apparently took three people to do. Because <laughs> there's no other special effects. There's no other special effects in the film whatsoever. Um, yeah, and he wears furs, and but his belly is out the entire fucking movie. Which I got to give the guy credit for. At least he's like willing to like let that hang out. Like, I would never do that. Yeah. But hey, you know, whatever. You don't want to look like a fucking weirdo in a movie for no good reason, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, if I have a reason to look like a weirdo, and trust sure. me, I can show you examples of me looking like a weirdo in movies, I'll do it. I just, I'm not a big fan of having my gut hanging out. Well, the couple in the pool, they see him, and this is their reaction. <laughs> you can hear the attack <laughs> as well. Now, remember, by the way, we never see the the couple and Jangale in the same frame at any point. All we see is Jangale walking towards the camera, and then this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
So, after the attack is supposed to be happening, fucking Conrad Brooks cuts to the shot of a barn. Well, Conrad Brooks didn't edit this. Okay, that's true. I imagine yeah. they don't have any other footage to make this work. Uh, yeah, and there's no, the, the, and the editing in this movie, as incompetently made as this movie is, the editing is without a doubt the worst thing about this movie. Though, uh, though again, who knows what they were working with, right? So Yeah, yeah, like, right. This, you heard that grunt, you could barely hear what those people were saying, and then you saw, then there were shots of a horse, or horses, and then it cuts to a shot of a cat, and just like grunts in the soundtrack. Yeah, I uh, I put in my notes here, I said, a cat looks nonplussed by the whole thing. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like the cat's like, it's like nonchalant, does not give a fuck at all. It's like, eh, whatever. We yeah. cut to a coroner's office, Mo. Yeah, yes, coroner's office. Now we finally get our lead character, Rick the coroner. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, a guy comes in to pass Rick the coroner, um, the post-mortem report on that couple who we just saw get killed, and he gives yeah. quite a performance. This is what this sounds like. Here's the post-mortem report you requested, sir. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. Cut! Take two! <laughs> No, no, you, you, I, and I can hear Conrad Brooks like in the background going, "No, no, no, we got it, we got it, it's perfect, yeah, perfect, right?" Because yeah, that's the yeah. Edward attitude. But this isn't someone bumping against a set. This is someone fucking up a line. By the way, it's not film. Just do it again. It takes yeah, two seconds. Yeah. Exactly. So, Rick reads the postmortem report. The phone rings, and it's the sheriff. And actually, I guess the postmortem wasn't on that couple because the sheriff tells him something, and he goes, "What?" Two people murdered at a swimming pool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he goes, I, sorry. I was going to say, uh, I, I wanted to comment on the camera work on this scene uh-huh. because it is top fucking notch. Like, it is just zooming in, zooming out, <laughs> shaking all over the place, zooming in, moving, zooming out. You know, just like sporadically and for no real reason. And I fucking love it. A spastic camera. <laughs> it's pretty fucking spastic, yeah. <laughs> so then Rick goes, must be the cycle of the full moon. <laughs> then he goes, then he goes, Dave, get my car. Like that guy who passed him the fucking paper also has to get his car ready? You're just a coroner, dude. Get your own fucking car. Poor bastard. So then we cut to Jangale eating trash like a fucking animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seem familiar, Mo? <laughs> Yeah, I eat, I eat food from my dumpster at work all the time, you know. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> so I left this sound clip in, Mo, because after he, uh, like, throws a paper bag down, he makes this weird grunting sound. I love I wanted... the noise he makes. Yeah, I'm glad you I wanted this. to have it captured for all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You know what that kind of sounds like? You remember that episode, the Bymon Sci-Fi Con episode of The Simpsons? Where oh, yeah? <laughs> Mark, Mark, Ham- Mark Hamill, like, realizes his leg's okay, and he's just like, well, the thing about that is... <laughs> and it just kind of reminds me of that. So, <laughs> play play but, that again. Play that again. All right, all right. I can play it again. It sounds like this. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> 
so by the way, we're supposed to believe that the sheriff cannot track down Jangil, who, by the way, is just a fat guy lumbering around and is the most <laughs> visible presence wherever he is. They can't even get a description of him, even though we in, in the in like the next ten minutes we see tons of people who are just there witnessing him. And he also moves so slowly that it would be impossible. Like, just think about back to that swimming pool thing. Did he get in the pool to attack those people? There's no fucking way he'd be able to catch up with them. No. Yeah. And there's time and time again where we see people getting away from them. I mean, even, like, coming up, like, he uh, he sees a girl, like, by a pool, and she jumps in the pool to get away from him, and it's yeah. like, it's no big deal at all. Like, this whole fucking movie is just people getting away from him, and yet, and he's at a hotel, he, which they clearly had no permission to use the oh. location for, um, you know, and, uh, and, 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 uh, fucking, like, they say he's, like, I love the fact that, like, like, they, they, they clearly, clearly used the hotel, um, as a means of plugging the convention that was yeah. happening at yeah. it, you know? Like oh yeah, I'm just here at CastleCon, you know. Just, <laughs> so Jangale's in this hotel, as you just mentioned, Mo. He's yeah. trying knobs randomly. I guess he knows how doorknobs work for whatever reason. Yeah, like I also love the fact that he's not at all confused about any of the new things that he's encountering. He just understands it. It's fine. He's the smart. He's the king of his tribe. Apparently, he is king of his tribe. Yeah, he never he never skipped any meals. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a woman in her hotel room, and she's oh, talking nice. about how much she is enjoying her time at Castle Con Convention. Then she hears, I guess, a knock on the door, and mm-hmm. she thinks it's a pizza man. Right, Mo? Yep. It's not a pizza man, though. It is not a pizza man. It's Jangale, the beast from the east. <laughs> <laughs> so she answers the door, and I want everyone to listen very closely to this. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm gonna try real hard not to laugh because I want everyone to hear this. <laughs> so she's gonna say, "It's about time you got here. I'm starving." And then she's gonna notice that there's actually a caveman out there, and then she's <laughs> going to attempt to scream and just listen to what comes out of her mouth. <laughs> it's about time you got here. I'm starving. <gasps> <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's like she was expecting them to dub in a good scream afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah. But instead, it's just her going. Much, yeah, how much do you want to bet that Conrad Brooks said to her, it? Doesn't matter what you say, honey. Just you know, like like we're gonna dub in a better scream. So just just make some noise, whatever. We'll dub in something better in post. Sir, is this Conrad Brooks or Woody Allen? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> lady, just scream. It'll be uh, fine. Um, 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 lady. <laughs> so she, uh, I guess, is dead because a pizza no, she's, guy. She's not dead, though. She just faints and falls forward. Oh, okay. So because yeah. a pizza guy arrives. And by the way, this pizza guy is going through the halls and there's so much natural noise going on in the background that you know that they had no permission to do this. Absolutely. And uh and 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 I don't want to wait until the end of the movie to mention this. Um I I, I want to mention this now <laughs> okay. that the that the pizza guy was played by oh Rock Savage. Oh yes, the legendary at least, at, Rock Savage. Yeah, legendary Rock Savage. I just thought like and I love the fact that his name in the credits is in parentheses. Yes. Like, 
Yeah, his name Rock Savage. He apparently goes over and sees the woman on the floor and tries to give her the pizza. But even though he leans over something, we don't get to see the body on the floor. Oh, God, no. No, because that would require two people to do something, and that's just mm-hmm. too much fucking around for Conrad Brooks, who can barely function when he's on screen. <laughs> There's so much of this, like what we just mentioned, where it's like, it'll be someone calling for another character to do something who we never see do it because they obviously didn't have access to that person. Mm-hmm. Now, explain this next part to me, Mo. Uh, I wish I could. This is This is one of the weirdest moments in the film and this is whole this movie that you enjoyed weird. yes it is one of the weirdest parts <laughs> yeah so we it's got some... this man who's who's like reciting poe kind of yes. uh with this really really affected accent and uh and and like i guess his door was just open because mm-hmm. jen, because jen gale comes into the room and of course he like welcomes him in he's like yes friend come in you know <laughs> is that and your affected t- accent <laughs> Yeah, that's my that's my affected accent for this. There's like, someone napping or nipping at my chamber door. Yeah, yeah, he makes all sorts of like Poe-related drunky jokes um, while he's. You know what? You know what's really Poe? His performance. Uh, wow, because he's not good, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. You don't ever see them in the same shot either. No. Jan Gale comes in. Seems confused by the man. By the way, this gentleman, I believe, is is credited as a drunken poet. Sure. Yeah, so he's drunken. I mean, it's it's half right. Jan Gale seems very confused about the poetry that the person is quoting at him. And he just turns around and leaves Mo because it's so funny. Yeah. There's and, uh, so there are so many scenes in this movie where people walk directly at the camera or directly away from the camera. It's ridiculous. His response to Jangale walking away is this. Oh well, it was better than an audience of pink elephants. <laughs> What's great about that is that when I first started that clip. You can hear a microphone being adjusted. That's not one of ours, folks. That's in nope. the goddamn movie. I was gonna say that his accent, at least in that clip, sounds like a uh, like a cross between like Vincent Price and Paul Lind. <laughs> Vincent Price already has a bit of a Paul Lind. That's true. That's true. So yeah, you know what? Then we'll just say Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Jangale leaves, and he runs into a fat guy who is in the hallway, and that guy goes, oh my god, and just starts screaming and runs away. And he's fine, because even running at a fat guy pace, you can easily outpace Jangale. Yeah, and I am a fat guy, and I could probably outpace him. Yes. And then we see Jangale outside of the hotel, going up a flight of stairs. So he's very visible to everybody. To everybody, which is hilarious because they keep going on about how they can't get a description of him. Yet yes. he's like, he's, there's been like 400 witnesses. You also don't really need a description of someone who looks like a caveman wearing furs. Yeah, right. So he goes up these flights of sta- this flight of stairs and then he looks down and he sees a woman in a bathing suit and he growls at her. Ooh la la. This is the first part of my notes where I wrote, Jan Gale looks a bit like Mo. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Jangale approaches this woman in POV, and it's supposed to be very tense, right? It's like, oh my god, he's going to to 
destroy or molest this woman, but she just stands up and dives pleasantly into the swimming pool. And then it fades out. Yeah, she gets away with she gets away from him like it's nothing. Then we get our favorite thing in low budget movies, Mo. <laughs> A reporter. Well, I mean, like, at least this is, like, her conducting an interview and not, like, them doing, like, an in-the-field report. Or... I can't even imagine how they would have tried to pull off any graphics on the screen to represent <laughs> a news report. But I... Literally, he would sort of written it on a fucking 8 by 10 piece of paper and just held it there. So this is a, a, a reporter interviewing a retired sheriff, I guess. Uh, and listen to her introduction here. Hello, this is Pam Smith reporting from the local newspaper today, interviewing Captain Les. Who says reporting from the local newspaper? The local newspaper. Not doesn't right. give a name of a newspaper, just the yeah. local newspaper. Just the local newspaper. So she's asking this guy, the captain, about the uh, who the killer of these two people by the pool is. And uh, then she goes on and asks him about Bigfoot at length for some fucking reason. Um, and they you talk know, about how B- Bigfoot is shy. <laughs> do, you, do you know what Captain Les's last name is? What? It's Ismore. I thought it was sewage. No way, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's less it's less whining. <laughs> oh, he should do more thinking and less and whining. Less whining. <laughs> yeah. So this is just an old fella, right? This the uh, this old coot. Yeah, here, yeah. Les, Captain Les. This is actually um, my favorite scene in the entire movie, is Pam's, Pam Smith and Captain Les talking. It's <laughs> like the, the old oh man, the acting in this scene, it's so good. It's, it's outstanding. So he's talking about the difference between Bigfoot and this killer, outside of the fact that Bigfoot does not exist. <laughs> but they always talk about right. how um, that they always lose Bigfoot in the swamps. That's why they couldn't mm-hmm. catch him. And every time he's talking about it, they cut back to this woman, and it's the same shot of her just nodding, and it looks so goddamn stupid. I know. It's fucking great. So then he talks about constant agreement with everything he's saying. So Jangale, he's a maniac. He kills for no reason. He -hmm. goes for their throats and tears them apart like a wild beast. Again, we never see him do this, and we never see the aftermath of his kills either. There is no violence in this movie at all. Yeah. And he says, Mo. That he's calling in two special agents to take care of this. Mm. I love that they then, at the end of the interview, they stand up, they shake hands, and then he goes with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even better, she goes over to her car to leave. Oh, this is the best. So she goes, yeah, she goes to turn on the car. She goes to turn on her car and like it struggles. Yes. It's man, does that car struggle to turn on? And if and it finally does, and as it's driving away, like I'm like, that car is gonna explode at any moment now. It, it it's it's not roadworthy. Like it shouldn't be on the road. It's Even so- better, Mo, she has a dog in her backseat. <laughs> There's a dog looking out the window. What is she doing? Reporters don't bring dogs to whatever they're covering. It is ridiculous. Oh my god! Like I said, a- my favorite fucking scene in the entire movie. So it's uh, the best. It's the don't best. get don't get too attached to Captain Les. <laughs> yeah, this is the classic trope. This is a classic trope that we encounter in these low budget films 
all the fucking time um, where they introduce a character, talk about a murderer, and then the, the murderer immediately shows up to kill the person who was just talking about the murderer. That happens in this movie literally like 14 times. Right. Now, of course, <laughs> this makes... For one thing, Captain Les appears to live in farmland in the middle of nowhere, and Jangale was just in, in, in a city, I guess, in, at a hotel. So how did he get here? Who knows? It doesn't matter. This movie's just like Suburban Sasquatch, except without any of the payoff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he approaches... Jangale, who's wandering on the property, he approaches Captain Les, and Captain Les is surprised by the fact that this ca- uh, this caveman is going to murder him. And he responds in a very surprised manner. Everyone listen very closely to this. <laughs> no! 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 This is in the movie. This is one of the several scenes in the film that goes on for entirely too long and qu- and quickly. It's still happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 can hear it. It's still happening. Um and it gets real close like you can hear it right now to sounding like gay porn. And also remember folks that we never see these people interact. It was just Jangale coming towards him, yeah. the guy backing up and saying, no, no, no. And then it's just shots of like the surrounding area and the barn and stuff. And, and there's th- that sound just goes on for like 40 seconds. It's, it's insane. My note says, it sounds like they're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. It sounds like gay porn. Then we cut to a radio announcer, Mo. Yeah. And the radio announcer, I believe, is played by the gentleman who did the music for the movie. So how's that? Um, It's also the guy who did the editing on this movie as well. Oh, well. (laughs) Kudos for one, boo for another. Yeah, yeah. So so he's kind of good at one of them and just pure shit at the other two. Because let's face it, his acting in this is pure shit. Yes, and in fact, his radio voice is not even as good at, as my radio voice, Mo, as featured in Rock, Paper, Scissors, Fall of the Original. <laughs> <laughs> his radio voice is nothing compared to my radio voice. There you go, and coming up next, And coming up next on WKYZ, Nickelback. <laughs> well, you got a job at WKYZ? Unbelievable. Yeah. Captain Les, a retired sheriff of Brookfield, has been found mutilated at his, at his ranch, according to this radio announcer. And he says, I speculate that he's dead as well. He's yeah. He's mutilated. Jesus. Yeah. Well, he's probably dead too. You know, and whatever. then he ends by saying, and now we're going to hear the Everly sisters singing Earwax is Golden. And that made me think, Mo, is Jangale the Beast from the East a comedy? I have a feeling that there were moments where they're like attempting to inject comedy into an otherwise, (laughs) sorry, I hate to use the expression, but serious movie. Um, And I feel like this is one of them because like every move, every song title that the guy mentions, because he mentions two or three. Yeah, he does. And all of them have like, quote unquote, humorous names. But like, this is like just such... Like, like the host seems incredibly bored the entire time he's on screen. And, like, his attempts at humor are just cut to shreds because the dude has no comedic timing whatsoever. Well, Mo, and then we get a shot of a train. 
we get a shot of a train and we see a yeah. old fat guy with a cowboy hat on yeah. <laughs> stand up on the train, fix his pants, grab a bag, and gets off the train. And that is the intro of our hero and director and writer, the legendary Conrad Brooks. Hey, buddy, you like uh, you like Ed Wood films? <laughs> this is where the wacky music plays, by the way. There's some wacky fucking music over the scene. That yeah, is... so the music for this scene is weird, oddly whimsical, and marchy. So Captain Les, he is bringing in two special agents to take care of this caveman problem that he has. One of them is Conrad Brooks, the actor. <laughs> and his, the other is Gary West, Mo. Now, who is Gary West? Oh, he's some guy. He's just some fucking guy. I'll tell you one thing. He ain't an actor because he's goddamn terrible in this movie. See, and like, and like, here's the thing. Like, like, you know how Birdemic had like a, a, a contingent of people who were big Jerry Owen fans? You know, like there could have been a like a, 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 a cult of Gary West fans because he's like that sort of character that like you could see a bunch of people like getting behind for no reason whatsoever. Nope. They missed no. out the missed out the opportunity whatsoever. So Conrad goes up to Gary. They have this exchange. Hey, you must be Conrad Brooks. <laughs> you must be uh, Gary West. You got it. Well, glad to know you. Hey. Uh, how come you're not in your regular uniform? Well, this is my uniform for now. The lieutenant wants us to work undercover. Now, I left that little bit at the end there, Mo. I'm actually really glad you did because it would have been a little harder to explain if you hadn't. He's wearing army fatigues. He's wearing army fatigues, yeah. Just plain camo, like like jungle camo army fatigues. And he said that he's dressed undercover as a woodsman. As a woodsman. What the fuck does that even mean? Like a, lumber, like a lumberjack? Yeah, and they're not headed into the jungle. They're just going to go in the fucking woods. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck he's dressed like that. And, like, they don't even really go into the woods. They kind of go into some, like, weird swamp thing, you know? Oh, my God. He also mentions, Gary does, that yeah. there's supposed to be another agent. And he says his name is Jack, but he broke his leg and won't be joining them. Yeah, like, what's the point? Yeah. What's you know, the point, Mike? Like, like, that is it, the classic question. What's the fucking point? And like I almost like I guarantee you the entire thing had to do with because they filmed the uh the Captain Less scene so much earlier than they filmed mm-hmm. the Ger- the Conrad Brooks stuff that like they must have meant to have another person be in the film and like he dropped out or something. And so because they, had they to, do they they do yeah. add another character later for no reason at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That other character. We'll talk about that when we get to it, which will be in just a few minutes because we're almost halfway through this fucking movie already. Yeah, I was going to say, thank goodness we're almost halfway through. There's one other strange thing that happens here, Mo. (laughs) Conrad talks about how hungry he is. Yeah. And Gary says, well, I'll buy you dinner. You know, Gary reminds me of that dude from Things, the older brother. (laughs) Do you remember? Yeah, His weird Steve Brule-ish delivery. Yeah, Doug. Yeah, Doug. That's right. Like me. Yeah. So Gary offers to buy Conrad Brooks dinner, okay? And then they go up to Gary's apartment. Mm -hmm. 
I posted on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group a photo from this scene because the layout of this apartment is very strange, including a table which is situated right in front of a door that makes no sense at all. (laughs) So Conrad sits down and he seems a little confused, as I was, and he says, well, didn't I just say I wanted something to eat? And Gary says, okay, I'll go make you something. Why did he say he was going to buy him dinner? You're trying to make put logic into this scene. Like, honestly, I think it, I think it was just the guy who plays Gary West, like, forgot, like, what the actual line was. Now, I would agree with that, Mo, except there's a follow-up in just a moment. First, later on, we see them eating together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they have this little conversation. Well, Conrad, sure I'm glad that Captain Last suggested you for this case. Before he was murdered by that beast. Yeah. <laughs> that gives you a sense of Gary West's acting, by the way. Holy <laughs> goddamn terrible. Um, and then Conrad goes on and on about all his <laughs> experience hunting monsters. And then he says... Hey, uh, this was a good dinner. Well, I hope it was. I was paying for it. Well, anyway, what was your latest mystery case? <laughs> so he said he paid for it. Did yeah. he mean that he paid for the ingredients that went into what he made for him? Who fucking knows, man? Who knows? I will say, I did leave in that little bit at the end just because of how awful that line delivery was. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm i really glad you, uh, you kept on uh, Conrad's response to it because it's kind of perfect to the whole <laughs> fucking line. Of- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they talk about him tracking down the chupacabra and uh and and he mentioned that like the the chupacabra was like a vampire because it was sucking blood from cows and goats. I don't give a shit about any of that. Uh the one thing that should be noted is that you can see the microphone in this scene and most scenes incredibly clearly like it's right there on the side of the screen almost poking conrad brooks in the fucking face there's a good half a foot of microphone on screen for this shot it's pretty amazing i like to think that the scenes where conrad is on screen he obviously is not looking into the viewfinder at that time and later on he's checking the footage over he's like oh god damn it my masterpiece (laughs) is ruined by this one flaw oh uh, my otherwise flawless film right, ruined right. by one boom mic. Well, well, <laughs> better better at it anyway. And the acting was so on point in this scene. <laughs> Man, I did a good job. So then Conrad says that he should go back to his hotel so he can be fresh in the morning because they're going to go see the sheriff. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, get quickly, we see Jan Gale walking around a forest and there's tense music playing despite the fact that it's just a fat guy lumbering around <sighs> like a fucking weirdo. And then we cut to my two favorite characters, Mo. The oh. Grave Diggers. Well, I like one of the Grave Diggers. <laughs> well, I guess I kind of like them both. Mo? Yes? You like monster trucks, Mo? Um, yeah, a little bit. When you were a kid, what was your favorite monster truck? Oh, well, it fits in with this movie. Uh-huh. Um, because my favorite monster truck was Bigfoot. Nice. I liked Snake Bite. Remember Snake Bite? <laughs> it had like a snake with like, uh, it had teeth in the front of it. Right, but yeah, you can't go wrong with old Bigfoot. Yeah. And of course, the greatest of all time, 
Gravedigger. Gravedigger. Your favorite. And these are two Gravediggers, Mo. One of them is smoking a pipe, and one of them is digging in the earth. And apparently one of them, the guy who's just smoking the pipe, he's a bit... uh, a bit depressed uh, because he like, says, "Like no sorry. joke, no joke." The corn cob pipe smoking guy actually looks way more like me in my early twenties than like than Jen Gal does. Like looks like me at all. Uh, <laughs> I thought he like, looked a bit like a fat Terry Funk. Yeah, he does look like a fat Terry Funk, but he also looks a lot like me in my early twenties because I was because I used to smoke a corn cob pipe and I had like a Jesus big, Christ, I had a big straw hat and like I looked really <laughs> fucking stupid, but in the best possible way. I used to eat spinach, get really strong for short periods of time. <laughs> I had giant forearms, dated a real <laughs> skinny girl. Uh, you know, it's very seasonal. You smoke that corn cob pipe. You had that button nose and two eyes made out of gold. <laughs> Well, this fucking guy who looked a like magic you said on my head. <laughs> yeah, it's your fucking straw hat, Mo. <laughs> yeah. You remember Dexy's Midnight Runners there for a short period of time. <laughs> he says this. Well, that does it for another day, Pete. One more poor soul put six feet under this cold ground. What do you say we call it quits and go home? What's the rush? <laughs> Relax. I got a couple cool ones in the truck. Let's I'm not, not going to lie. When he said, that? when he said, I got a couple cold ones in the truck, I thought he was talking about more corpses. <laughs> <laughs> I think, by the way, this scene is supposed to be taking place at night because you can hear like crickets and things. Yeah. And it's supposed to be the end of their workday, but it's totally like bright sunlight middle yeah, of the day. It's, it's one of the worst day for night shots I've ever seen. Well, um, Pete is the guy who has the cold ones. The other guy who was just talking about putting the poor souls in the ground, uh, he's obviously a little superstitious and a little bit concerned about this Jan Gale walking around murdering people because he says this. You saw the look of terror and fear frozen on their faces? I tell you, evil does exist. This is the devil's way of undoing God's sacred plan. You had better wake up or you are in big, big trouble. Sounds like he'd fit perfectly well in uh, your new president's cabinet. No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Pete thinks that the guy's just being paranoid. He doesn't believe in monsters or good or evil. He only has faith in himself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So then they walk home. <laughs> and two roads diverge in a yellow wood, Mo. And one of them goes one way. And one of them goes the other, and we uh, we follow um, we follow Pete, who hears some screaming, and oh by the way, we should mention Mo. This is really weird. On their way out of the cemetery, there's like a knocked over stone. Yeah, <laughs> and the guy the guy picks it up, saying he goes ah, like there's vandals or something doing this to the stones. I'll fix it in the morning, and he puts it back up, and it immediately falls down again. <laughs> so they leave, and um, the the other guy gets attacked. Pete runs over um, to to see what's going on and finds his body. Then we say we see Jan Gale, and the guy says, "Lord, have mercy on my soul." And then it fades out because that's the movie that we're watching. Meh. This is not a good movie, Mo. <laughs> it has certain flaws that I can't over overcome. You mean like the flaw of being too awesome? So after this murder, Jan Gale, we see him walking out of the cemetery, which is very strange, Mo, because he wasn't in the cemetery when he killed that guy. <laughs> I guess he went back there or something? Yeah, he wanted to go fix that gravestone because it was upsetting. 
Then we see Gary and Conrad sitting down together, and uh, one of them has got the paper in front of him. He goes, did you read the uh, the paper about the killings of the gravediggers? It's to make sure it all connects together, Mo. It's, this movie has a, a plot that's so easy to follow that a child could follow it. Well, you don't have to follow it because they, like, literally hold your hand through every moment. <laughs> like, and, it, and, it, and it's, like, it's set up in, like, phases, too. It's, like, people talk about the uh, people being killed. People get killed. Cut to next scene where people talk about people being killed. And then the only time where it, where it doesn't continue is when it's Conrad and Gary talking about people being killed. So they meet up with Lieutenant Kennedy, who I guess is the guy who's... In charge of this whole tracking down Jan Gale thing. Lieutenant Kennedy is a police officer. He's going to help Gary and Conrad track down this creature. But before he does that, he tells them that he has a new recruit for them, Mo. Tell me about this new recruit. Okay, so his name is Castor. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so imagine a... A freshly graduated high school student or former yes. high school student uh-huh. um, who's still kind of obsessed with mid-90s fashion. <laughs> you know, like he still has Jinkos on and, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and I mean, other than that, he's really kind of like nondescript. He's just sort of like a standard looking white dude, glasses, hat, you know, yeah. whatever. Serves no um, purpose. Serves, serves no purpose for the rest of the Serves movie. no purpose whatsoever. Basically, he's the kind. He's basically the guy who's there for them to say, Caster, get in the back of the car. Or, Caster, you stand out here and watch. You yeah. Know? But, but for no reason. Like, they don't need another character to do those things. No. It's and not very to mention, strange. Not to mention the fact that they had written in another character who probably would have done all those things and then cut him out just to bring another character in. Do you remember that video game Earthbound, Mo, for the Super Nintendo? Earthbound? Earthbound? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's also known as Mother, I guess. Mother, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Earthbound, the lead character, he wears a hat and kind of a striped shirt, and I think Caster looks a lot like that lead guy. Well, what's his name? Ness? I guess. That makes yeah. sense, because it's like Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is this kid Caster supposed to be a police officer? I think he's supposed to be like a new recruit police officer, but he's not wearing a uniform at no. all. And he's too young. Yeah, yeah, he's way too young. Anyway, Conrad and Gary are like, we work alone, mister, even though apparently they just met each other the day before. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, I don't want to do this. And the lieutenant's like, you need the help. You will take Caster with you. And so they meet Caster, and this is their response. Conrad Brooks. This is my first real adventure. It's great to be working with you guys. Well, it's a pleasure to have have you with us. Thank you very much. Cut! Likewise. Take two! <laughs> no, no, we got it. We got it. Conrad Brooks doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> the, best, the best part about the scene is Caster comes over, shakes their hand, right? They both mm-hmm. introduce themselves to him. And then he talks about this is his first adventure, like we just heard. Then he tries to shake Conrad Brooks' hand again, and they do, and it's the most awkward goddamn thing in the world. <laughs> like, you could even have just rehearsed it before shooting it, just once, and then you would have gotten it, because that is a very easy scene to get. But, it, like, you heard him stumble over the line, it's awkward and weird, and then someone calls them, Mo, on their car phone. I love the car phone ringtone. 
because it's clearly the sound of somebody dialing a phone. I love that Conrad Brooks thinks it makes a lot more sense to have someone call on a car phone rather than a cellular phone, which in 1999 were fairly all over the goddamn place. Yeah. So they decide they they uh, the monster has been spotted and they have to get moving, and um, they talk about that a woman was kidnapped from her home. So they yell at Caster to get in the back of the car, but obviously they did not have access to Caster at this point because we never see him do it. No, and they actually back out of the shot. Like they don't drive forward; they just they back out, uh, which is <laughs> great one, because yeah, because that's to... that's one way to make sure that nobody sees the back seat with the character who you just told to get in the back isn't there. So they arrive at a woman's house, and this is really awkwardly fucking edited too. They knock on her door, and the door opens, and then it cuts to her in like the middle of her house responding to them. It's very very weird. Yeah. Um, and they ask her about her daughter's disappearance, and she is able to describe the creature. Now, yeah, let's let's see what she has to say what this guy looks like, since you're saying he looks an awful lot like me. Right, let's see how yeah. she would describe someone. Yeah, let's see, let's see what who, this woman says, says that I look like. <laughs> she says that Jan Gale is... Can you describe this man? Oh, yes, he was bald. He had a bulging eyes and a big black beard. Very fat. <laughs> And he's wearing animal skins. He looked like a caveman. God damn it! She's 100% accurate! You gotta stop wearing those skins, man, because meat I, is murder. Yeah, whatever, Morrissey. You're the reason Morrissey just canceled his tour. <laughs> yeah, am I the reason why Morrissey has canceled every fucking tour he's done in the last decade? Hey, he's sensitive. Leave him alone. When I, when I was with my last girlfriend, we bought tickets to three Morrissey shows, and he canceled every single one of them. You should get Morrissey insurance when you buy a ticket. Yeah, right? You really should. You really should. <laughs> By the way, they went into this house, and this is what you were mentioning earlier. They tell Caster to stand outside and look around. I don't know why. Like, oh, I, know, he... I know exactly why. Because he comes into the shot with them. They must have shot the inside scene at a different time. He remembered that they did that and said, well, you stay out here because you're not in the inside shot. But in the inside shot, we never see uh, Conrad Brooks. We only see this woman and he talks from off screen. Well, we do see. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, this is this is not well done. No, th- no this, <laughs> is, this is one of the worst edited scenes in the film. So then we see Jan Gale, and he's carrying a woman, Mo. Oh, no. And I, sh- I should actually, just to back up for one second, that, that woman, the mother that they were just talking to, he, she described what happened. Um, he was knocking on her door, and she looked outside, and there was this strange-looking man who was Jan Gale. Strange-looking, like yourself. <laughs> then Jan Gale uh-huh. broke in, rushed in, rushed in to her daughter's bedroom, rushed. This fucking guy rushed into the daughter's bedroom. She was asleep, so he picked her up and ran <laughs> off into the woods with her, okay? Yeah. So this next scene, we see Jangale carrying a woman who's wearing jeans and a shirt. So was she wearing that to bed? Yeah, clearly. <sighs> I, like the, I like the fact that he lays her down on a blanket that had already been set down there. Like, <laughs> like it's just some convenient thing where these you know picnickers must have left the blanket behind. What luck, Mo? What luck? So, uh, 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 uh. They lay her down. Uh, they he lays her down, and then we see our 
trio. I'm gonna make love to your <laughs> So our trio arrives in a car. Gary asks Conrad if he needs a gun. But Conrad says, well, there's only one beast and one gun, so that's enough. What the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, it's like... But here's the best part about that, and and it's and I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but it doesn't matter because this whole fucking movie's stupid. Um, <laughs> so so he he goes he goes yeah, there's only one beast, so we only need one gun, which clearly means they only had one gun for the shoot, <laughs> you know. But the best part is that every fucking opportunity they have between now and the end of the film, every chance they have to for Conrad to split the team up. He does. Yes. Yeah. Every time they hear something, they're like, let's split up. Yeah. (laughs) So their plan to find this missing girl is, it's brilliant. It's to walk randomly through the woods and just scream her name. Yeah. It's like they're looking for a lost puppy. Yeah. Beth. Also, shouldn't they have like the entire police force with them at this point? No, no. They're they're a crack squad. Yeah. Yeah. They've got it handled. Well, Beth wakes up on her little a blanket. Oh and my god, this is the best fucking scene ever. She starts screaming, Mo. Why does she start screaming? Well, because there's a, a, well, for lack of a better term, a snake. A very real, real, living, real not, snake. Not at all made out of rubber. Very real. Very Sli- point, Very venomous. Slithering around in a very real, alive manner. Yeah. Not... Just standing in one position or just being in one position as if it was made out it's, of rubber. It's a very accurate depiction of a live snake. Mm-hmm. Yes. so Very, um, very real, very venomous, very dangerous. So Jen Gale goes over and he grabs this super legitimate snake. The very real, not made out of rubber. I guess when Conrad Brooks was stealing this snake... He forgot to steal the motor for it. (laughs) Uh, You stole my joke. (laughs) (laughs) Because we then get what has to be, look, I didn't, I didn't time it, but I would estimate a three hour sequence. (laughs) I I, I think it's legit around seven minutes of him tangling, wrestling with this snake, a regular size snake, by the way, one that. Even if it was alive, you could probably wrestle off of you fairly easily because it's a fucking snake. Yeah. Uh, And he wrestles it for minutes and minutes and minutes, and it looks idiotic. And again, we both know what I was referring to a second ago. It's not like that. It's not Bela Lugosi trying his best to make something look legitimate. This is a fucking idiot playing with a rubber snake for like seven minutes on screen. And here's here's the big thing. Here's the biggest thing about this scene is that the snake is tiny, like especially compared to him. And like, I can't tell, like there are shots during this sequence where I can't tell if it's supposed to be a constrictor because it's also supposed to be biting him. And so it's like, is it constricting him or is it biting him? Either way, it doesn't matter because the whole fucking thing looks idiotic and this is why this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire fucking movie. <laughs> so this ends with him biting the snake. For a minute and a half. And then screaming like an idiot and then dancing uh, around. Dancing oh around. Oh my god, the belly fat jiggles as he's doing his celebra- his victory triumph dance. 
Oh my then God. he throws the snake off screen and uh, starts pounding his chest. Jesus Christ. You know what this guy reminds me of? Who, me? Karnov. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the uh, the fire-breathing Russian. The Russian muscle man. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so Castor is out walking around with his guys. <laughs> um, and Gary... Oh, yeah, they hear someone coming their way. And they say, like you said, let's split up. Which I don't know why they would want to do that. Yeah. And this might be the strangest moment in the entire movie. This is the biggest non sequitur scene of the movie. It's this like, movie could have used a bit very... more shit more shit like this, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This is a very weird moment. I kinda love it. So <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> hey, hey, think about it this way, man. We are we literally have like eleven minutes left of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's a guy, like a hippie-looking guy with a uh, a brown paper bag. Yeah, man. And he says they say they tell him that they're looking for a monster and this this is how this goes. We're looking for a monster. I'm no monster. You didn't see a monster with a girl <laughs> in the woods by any chance? No. I didn't see any monster. Where do you live? Over there in the hills in the cabin. Okay, so this scene goes on for much longer. Unfortunately, I didn't have all the audio because it just was too stretched out. Yeah. Th- this guy, they ask him what's in his paper bag, and it's a spider. Yeah, he's like, you know, if you promise to keep it a secret, I'll yeah. tell you. This guy, this, this, there's only 10 minutes left in this movie, and we're wasting time with this fucking guy who's going to cook this spider with mushrooms. And um, they invite, sorry, the guy invites them over to have some spider. And then Conrad Brooks refuses and says, boy, he's certainly strange. Real strange. Mm-hmm. So you know how in the movie Ega with the late Richard Keel, um, the, that there's a scene where the caveman, played by Richard Keel, kidnaps a woman and takes her back to his cave. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, she begins to act very tenderly towards him because she recognizes that he he isn't violent. He hasn't torn people apart with his bare fucking hands. And she shaves him in a very erotic scene and recognizes that he's actually handsome. Or at least she says so, but really he looks like Richard Keel. Um, <laughs> this is replicated here in this next sequence where um, – what's her name again? Beth. Beth. She – is talking to her, her name. Her name is her name is Jen. Jen Gale. Aha, uh-huh, very good. So she notices that there's bite marks on Jen Gale's neck. I guess from that snake. Uh huh. She wipes off some of the blood, and he says, "Jen Gale, Jen Gale." Oh, that's your name, Jen Gale. My name is Beth. And we have little sweet music. There's no build up to this tenderness, and it is not going to go anywhere. Yeah, um, I love the fact that, like, after she cleans up his neck, she tells him that he should go take a nap. Yes. How the fuck does he know what she's saying? That was his line, this, him saying, Dan Gale, Dan Gale. That's his only lines in the entire movie. Yeah. And considering how badly they're delivered, I guess we should be glad of that fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but her, she has a very good idea, like you said, Mo. Let's take a nap. And then he goes to sleep. And she gets up and runs off into the forest because she's not a fucking idiot. Yeah, she fucking books it. <laughs> so, 
So he soon wakes up afterwards and then just starts wandering around like a fucking weirdo, like uh, like he's Neil Breen or something. Um, and then he's <laughs> then he seems very agitated by the fact that this woman is gone. And then he screams while beating his chest. Mo, I have a question for you. What was mm-hmm. his end game by having kidnapped Beth and brought it back to his hovel? Um, sex. I guess so, right? Yeah. So that's where we. I, I feel like we should not feel bad for him that she ran off. But you know why I did no. feel bad with him? <laughs> you know why I did feel bad? It's because he then wanders over to a stream, like some water, and he looks into it and sees his own reflection, and then he screams. You know what? This is the one moment where he does seem an awful lot like me. <laughs> because because every morning when I wake up, I go into my every bathroom. Every morning and, and, when I wake up. Oh, what? And I look into my bathroom mirror and I scream in sheer terror because that's what I look like. Jan Gale suffers from low self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and he's and he's he's and he's the fucking king of his tribe. He's the chief of his tribe. That's right. <laughs> well, our trio uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Our trio Our trio are still yelling out Beth randomly into the woods, and they hear someone coming once again. And this is like now a game of Dungeons and Dragons. We hear someone coming in the distance. What do you and your party want to do? Let's split up and hide in the bushes. Oh, you never split the party. No. Well, Beth runs down the pathway. uh, And they ask where the monster is. And she said that she just escaped. No help from you guys. And Conrad Conrad tells uh, Caster to take Beth to her mother. But he, Conrad keeps calling him Rookie, and I think that he does that because he forgot Caster's name. <laughs> it's probably true. So Conrad and Gary then walk into the woods. Jen Gale is still grunting and walking around. And if you want to hear some grunting, Mo, this is some fucking grunting. This goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> He seems frustrated. So if you ever wanted to wonder what it sounds like when I'm having sex, this is it right here. Especially this part right here. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, we're getting to climax. He's about to reach climax. That's right. (laughs) Oh, what? Oh, oh, oh my God. Yes. Well, so. Light up a cigarette. (laughs) Jen Gale walks up. Jen Gale. Jangiel walks up like a small hill and Conrad and Gary see him up this hill. So they're looking up and Conrad has this great idea that they should shoot him but not kill him. Well, in fairness, he does originally say to shoot near him. Yes. But don't try to hit him. Right. And, in then, fact, and then... Yeah, and then as the uh, the belly jiggle gets further up the hill, remembering, of course, that they only have one gun, <laughs> that's when he says this. Gary! Gary! The beast is climbing up the mountain! The mountain! You know, we may lose him. Sh- shoot him. But don't kill him. <laughs> He's climbing up the mountain! What are Gary's qualifications, I wonder? I will uh, tell you one he thing. Owns, he owns army fatigues <laughs> and a pop gun. He has a willingness to buy meals for washed up old actors. Yeah. 
So Gary, uh, listening to the instructions that he was just given, starts shooting his gun at Jan Gale. However, instead of shooting near him, <laughs> he shoots him yeah. and kills him. Immediately kills him. <laughs> and I just want to note that this is 49 minutes in to a 53-minute movie, and this is the first blood we've seen in the entire movie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And a Conrad, very upset over what happened with Gary. <laughs> this is how this goes down. Gary? You killed him. Jeez, I didn't mean to. (laughs) (laughs) And then the dumbest moment of a thoroughly dumb movie happens at the very end. They say, well, I guess we better call a coroner. And he goes, okay, let's go. Then we cut to later. And the lieutenant is asking what happened to the body of the beast. Because they called the coroner. I guess from their uh, car phone. And when the coroner arrived, there was no body. So I guess they didn't meet the coroner and go over with him or hang out by the body until the coroner arrived. They just left. Yeah. How would they even tell him where the fucking body was? <laughs> oh, my God. They say that what? He you'll, was find, you'll find him by the path of destruction he laid. They say, that, but the creature was stretched out dead and covered in blood. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He, yeah, he had one streak of blood down his arm. Covered pro- in blood. Because they probably had to return those furs. And the lieutenant has a chilling proclamation to bring this movie to an end. Uh-huh. He says, This is some mystery. Coming soon, Jengale 2! And Jengale 3. Boogaloo. Two more sequels to this movie, Mo. And I'm going to watch them both. You're going to watch them both. Not me find now, but... So, it, it's Jangale, The Beast from the East, came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. Jangale 2, The Beast Returns, came out in 2001. And Jangale 3, Hillbilly Monster, came out in 2003. Wow. And that's, uh, that's before Conrad Brooks started his Gypsy Vampire trilogy. Fuck this shitty movie, Mo. No way, man. <laughs> well, I'm all turned around on the subject. <laughs> Mo, I love I love the fact that there are like I didn't I didn't pay too much attention to the credits. I did notice the Rock Savage uh, as the Pizza Man, and that it took three people to do the makeup on this film, which I thought was really hilarious. Um, the other interesting thing about the credits, Mo, is that there are certain sequences, like the coroner scene at the very beginning, that were scripted by an, by a single person. Like, they only scripted that one scene. Yeah, that's a little weird. It, it's, it's really strange. And um, I, I have no explanation for why the fuck that's the case. This movie seems like a, a movie made in a very piecemeal scattershot fashion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really does have a production that just, it it stinks of, we don't know what we're doing, we'll pick it up as we go, we'll come back and get those shots when we need them, we'll, you know, and, and I also, you can just imagine, they're editing this together, and they're like, oh no, we've got 90 minutes here, no problem. And then they put <laughs> it all together, and it's not even an hour long. I'm not gonna lie, when I was making up that, like, promotional DVD, like, slash documentary thing I was making, 
I did the exact same thing where I'm like, yeah, I, I got to have at least like 75, 80 minutes here. And then I put it together. And I'm like, oh, 49 minutes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It is the most common thing I think that happens for a lot of low budget, no budget movie makers where they write a script and they're like, well, okay, one page equals one minute. I've got 90 pages here. But of course, half of those pages are scene descriptions and most of it is all going to get cut out anyway. <laughs> and scenes that are supposed to be like a 10 minute scene ends up being like 30 seconds long <laughs> and, it, and it all comes down to like, and then you, that's why we end up with movies on this show that are so often like 70 or 75 minutes or 54 in this case. Jankel. Jankel. Um, so Mo, you have suggested that you're going to check out the other two in this trilogy. Yeah. I'll watch them at some point. Well, you should Mo, you should, you should get into the Christmas spirit. Mo, watch out. <laughs> a snowball right in your mo face. Yeah, right in my my bulging eyes, black mm-hmm. beard, fat belly, wearing furs, low self esteem, low self esteem, bald, screaming into a puddle. <laughs> Watch out, Baldy! <laughs> anyway, mo, I'm gonna have, that's I'm gonna, the- have, I'm gonna have god sick bears on you. <laughs> That's the end of Jangale, the Beast from the East. Mo, yes. you think that it's good enough to give a recommendation? Fuck yeah, I do. It's a very poor movie, Mo. It's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, no, that's not even the point. The point was that I had so much fun watching this movie that I think that other people would. Now, granted, granted, I had just finished watching Veteran, which is a phenomenal movie. Oh, Mo, Veteran. And- I saw Veteran at TIFF last year. Yeah. You're talking about the South Korean movie, right? Absolutely, I am. That yeah. movie is entertaining as fuck. It's one of the most entertaining movies I, I had ever, I've ever seen, maybe ever. Like, maybe you're, like, rivaling, like, why don't you play in hell, like, level of entertainment, you know? Um, what I, what, and, and I think I might have still been riding that crest of, like, yes. entertainment when I put this on. <laughs> That being said, I still had a blast watching this. So maybe that just means that every time you want to watch Jen Gale, watch Veteran first. Now, <laughs> I just want to talk about Veteran now. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of do too because I fucking I, loved it. It has, two, I, it has two of the most interesting and fun fight scenes I've ever seen in movies ever. I will say the only thing I didn't like about Veteran was that it very much glorifies police violence against people. Oh, however, it absolutely does, yeah. However, the people who are getting violence against them in that movie totally deserve it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, so so our recommendation for this episode of No Budget Nightmares is to not watch Jang Gale, The Beast from the East. <laughs> Check out the South Korean film Veteran, which yes. uh, should be available somewhere. <laughs> it's great. It's really, really good. No, I, I still recommend Jan Gale. I think I know I, you do. I think with a bunch of friends and a couple of beers, this movie would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, like honestly, I feel like if the right people got their hands on it and started spreading the word on it, this could become a big weird cult hit like Room <laughs> or Birdemic. And- you mean to say two people who had a podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk yeah, about yeah, it like, and tell people. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, if yeah, I had. That's a if good I, point. Yeah, if, if 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 by some freak chance you're a listener to the show and you know a couple of guys who have a podcast who'd be willing to cover this. It's like how I always get Duncan McClash. I, I'm always telling him to 
uh, cover science craze on his podcast so people will actually listen to (laughs) some people talk about it. Um, So, yeah, so you are a fan. I'm not so much. I didn't get a lot of enjoyment out of this movie. I just felt like it was such a low amount of effort uh, that I found it a little bit frustrating. However, it is certainly ridiculous. The performances are terrible from top to bottom. Oh, fuck Um, that. And I, I felt... I didn't really have an opinion about Conrad Brooks before the movie, but now I feel like I'd have to punch him if I saw him in real life, which is a shame because this movie came out 17 years ago and he was already fairly old then. So I imagine I would kill him if I punched him. So um, Conrad, stay out of my way, boy. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> yeah, if you, ever find, if, you ever, if you ever find yourself a chiller theater in New Jersey, uh, yeah, just watch out for the, the fucking like back alley boothways. Because uh, he will find you and make you buy six movies off of him. Mo, this is our Christmas episode. Our holiday episode, I should say. I don't want anyone uh-huh. getting offended. Uh, which means it's our final episode of the year. Uh-huh. Mo, what's our your favorite episode that we did in the year of 2016? My favorite episode? Yeah, what's your favorite No Budget Nightmares episode of 2016? Uh, I don't know. Like, if you had asked me this, like... Before, I didn't before we started recording. Uh-huh. And like, I did not I, do that. I could have looked at what we've covered. I'd be able to give you an answer. I don't know. I mean, I can definitely tell you which one my what I was my least favorite of the year. That What's one, that? That one's a real fucking simple question. Fucking nightmare museum. Come on. Um, oh, why did you remind me of that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that I fucking remember. Um, I don't know. I feel like we've had a handful of really fun episodes. Uh, and, and, and off the top of my head, honestly, I'm not really coming up with any names. I'd well, have, I'm looking, I'd have to I'm, go back and look. I would say my favorite episode of the year is either our killing spree episode, which I thought was a lot of fun. Killing Everyone spree goes, was good. Yeah. The WNUF Halloween special was from this year as well. That's I thought true. That was a great That's time. true. Did we do Dead Next Door this year or was that last uh, year? That was last year. It might have uh, even been two years ago now that Jesus I think about Christ, it. Jesus Christ, we're fucking... We've been at this way too long. <laughs> uh, there was also my lovely burnt brother and his squashed brain. Yeah, that was surprisingly fun in a weird way. But I think the body beneath our Halloween episode might have been one of our best of the year. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like, I think we had a pretty good year. What do you think, listeners? Should we just give it up? <laughs> <laughs> just call it quits now. <laughs> Mo, this is our 88th episode of No Bunch of Nightmares. Hmm. Oh, Wrath of the Skunk Ape was this year, too, by the way. (laughs) Skunker! So was uh, Die Hard Dracula. Uh And we we started off this year with Slime City, which was also a great episode. Oh, Slime City's fucking fantastic. But, uh, uh, yeah. (laughs) Was Holy Moly this year? (laughs) No. (laughs) I can't can't remember. Did we do Terror Tunes this year? Oh, Um, fuck you. But we're coming up, Mo. We're only 12 episodes away from our 100th episode. Holy shit. Yeah, we got to do that, something. That's like, like another year and a half from now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Chances are, you know, even if we're on our slow pace, we should reach our 100th episode in 2017. We're going to have to do something super special for that. Oh, maybe we can have another guest. Wait, no. Well, we. I think we're going to get some, some uh, um, special appearances from uh, the people that we've touched base with, the fans of No Budget Nightmares. 
Fuck the fans. Let's get some of the directors on. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean the fans yeah. slash directors. Oh, okay. okay. People, gonna, people we actually give a shit about. I was going to say, I don't I don't want to fucking talk to any of, the, any of our listeners. Fuck those guys. Wow. <laughs> Mo, Mo, if people do want to check out some of those classic episodes I just mentioned, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, well, the old episodes, they can go right to uh, nobudgetpodcast.com and, and check out our archive there. If they want to get in touch with us online, uh, they can go to Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash groups slash nightmares one word. Or just do a search for No Budget Nightmares. Right. You can always get the latest episode of No Budget Nightmares over at dorkshelf.com. Check us out there. Mm-hmm. Check out the other content that's there as well. You can check out Mo on Twitter at drunk on VHS, all one word. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. Yes. If you need to find the central location of everything, it's over at nobudgetpodcast.com. At the bottom of that page, we'll link to our Facebook group, link to our Twitter feeds, link to where you can subscribe via iTunes. And of course, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon. Support the show. Uh, you can support as much as a dollar per episode, which uh, for most recent months means a dollar a month, which really isn't much to contribute. And also, we have some special material that's going to be going specifically to our Patreon subscribers in the new year. Mo and I are formulating ideas of some very exciting stuff. Yeah, we're while we're getting in touch with Joe Castro, we want to have some more uh, gay photoshops done of us so we no I'm just kidding you know Mo recently when I heard Castro died I was very excited for a moment <laughs> that's fucked up that is fucked up maybe I should leave that part yeah. out now whatever it's, it's, it's our Christmas special <laughs> that, that's our Christmas gift to the fans Mo what are we covering on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares? Our Why first of two thousand seventeen. You know, you know for a fact. <laughs> you already said in the episode that you know what the next episode is going to be, and that you're not going to tell me. Well, so I'm going to ask me at the end. Tell me I'm now. Gonna, I am going to tell you now. Um, I figured after this movie, I wanted to start off two thousand seventeen with a bang, and uh, by doing a movie that I think all Nightmare of our Museum two. Nightmare Museum. No, it's Changale 2. <laughs> no, it's yes! not. Damn it's right. a movie from 1982. Okay. All right. It's a movie filmed in New York City. Ooh. It's a movie directed by Frank Hennenlotter. Ooh. And that movie is Basket Case that's from 1982. A, that's a great fucking choice. It's a movie. We need to start off with something that people are going to want to listen to. <laughs> we need it. Uh, Frank's been in the news lately because he's involved with that trial of Mike Diana uh, documentary, which got funded on Kickstarter. I think. It's, yeah, and he uh, just and not to mention the fact that he just recently did that uh, that sexploitation documentary not too long ago. That's and, right, and of course, uh, uh, something weird video has been good enough to help us in our body beneath episode. Yeah. I thought it would be a nice thing to get back, and we'll talk about probably one of the more famous films that something weird has put out ever, uh-huh. which is Basket Case from 1982. Yeah, well, I mean, they got super fucking lucky and got and got working with. Uh, Lauder like real early, you know. So yeah, they they they've done a lot of stuff with him, and and being able to put out basket cases, it was a great get for them. Mo, you've got to get to sleep, but aside from veteran, have you seen anything good lately? Yeah, well, I, I watched veteran. Um, I watched uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because <laughs> um, it was on Netflix. I'm like, yeah, let's watch this. And I started watching that SPL2, A Time of Consequences. Oh, I saw SPL2 at, at uh, Tip yeah. last year Well, as well. You, rec- you recommended both of those to me a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and and I snagged them online and uh and 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 only just recently got to watching them and it reminds me that I need to start taking your recommendations more fucking seriously because yeah. they are they are attuned to you <laughs> yeah cuz yeah cuz they really are like good suggestions almost always um and uh and I'm about halfway through that I just finished the like utterly epic I mean just prison a, amazing fight, right? prison fight scene uh, which, which, with the exception of the raid two, might be my favorite prison fight scene of all time. So, for those who haven't seen SPL two, SPL one has been released. It's Kill Zone, right? That's what it's called. In, in I, I believe so, yeah. And this has been released as Kill Zone two. Uh, SPL two. If you saw the first one, if you saw Kill Zone and didn't much care for it, it had Donnie Yen in it. it it's and Sammo Hung. Uh, I didn't love the first one. I fucking loved. The second one. The and second one is really good. It has no connection to the first one outside. It has some of the same actors. Uh, but the first one felt like a uh, like a Johnny Toe cop movie, which had some kind of uh, martial arts sort of retrofitted into it. This is a fucking kung fu movie with Tony Jaa. And I mean, it's just amazing from start to finish. Yeah. And it gets even better, believe it or not. Holy so. uh shit. Veteran and SPL2, big recommendations from Mo on this episode of No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's just say they're big recommendations from you, <laughs> but yeah. Well, speaking of another recommendation of me, the one movie that I've watched in the past week is, aside from Jan Gale, The Beast from the East, is Why Don't You Play in Hell, which I rewatched. Uh, I, I was nice. sitting down with somebody who had not seen it before and, in fact, had never heard of it. And, uh, man, that movie, that might be my favorite movie of like the last fifteen years. That's honestly. that. That's what I. That's what I was gonna say. It's um, it, it, like I feel very much the same way. I think it's probably, if not my number one, within the top three favorite movies of the last, however many years since it came out. I forgot what year it came out in. It's but, it's, uh, it's it's also very applicable to the show, and I know we've talked about this before. Yeah, but, yeah, you exactly. Know, very it's much ha- the it, no budget, uh, uh, the the attitude that, that goes into making no budget. Absolutely, movies. absolutely. Uh, it, it's celebrated so strongly in that movie that I feel like it kind of reinvigorates me when I watch a movie like Jangle Peace from the East. <laughs> and I need to remember that there are people out there making movies um, that are uh, exciting and full of inspiration. And sure. Mo, what are you going to do to celebrate the end of 2016? I was probably thinking about putting a bullet in my head just to end the year off in the right frame of mind. No, I I joke, of course. I would never do that. Oh, you got to see that inauguration in 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited for that. I figured I'll put my bullet in my head as he's swearing in on the Bible. Hey, before you do Uh, it in your own head, why don't you point one at him, huh? uh, Because I don't condone violence towards other people. (laughs) Aww. Um, But I'm totally fine with other people condoning violence. No, I joke. I joke. Um, I'm also joking about murdering the president of the United States. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, I legitimately have, like, no real plans. I mean, like, I'll probably boo in the new year like I do every year. Nice. Uh, I'll probably be at work, depending on what day it is. And, Are there going to uh, be people jerking off in booths on New Year's? There were people jerking off in booths on Thanksgiving, so why not? Well, of course. You know? <laughs> I actually, I actually don't have to work on Christmas because my job, for some reason, decided that Christmas was a day to close when any other holiday isn't. So, hmm. you know, whatever. I'll, t- I'll take it. I don't have to work that day. Uh, eat a fine, fat goose. Yeah, I'll eat a fine, fat cock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Well, all right, Mo. I'm headed to Newfoundland, the island on the far east part of North America. Um, and that is why we're recording this episode a little early. But I wish our listeners the happiest of holidays and a wonderful new year. We will be back in 2017 with lots of great material. Please join us on the Facebook group. We'll still be checking in over there. We've had a lot of people added lately. There's always good conversation happening, and you can always give us feedback and recommendations for future episodes. But aside from that, I think we will see you guys in the year 2017, the future, Mo. (laughs) The distant future. Remember when it was exciting because it was 2001 and it was like, we're living in the future. And that was like 16 years ago. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, fuck the future. The future fucking sucks. Yeah. Let's go back to the past. Yeah. Let's let's go back to 1999. Watch and make Jen Gale again. That that's if you take nothing else away from this episode, let's make another. <laughs> let's remake Jen Gale. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you in the new year. Good night, folks. Can you describe this man? Oh, yes. He was bald. He had a bulging eyes and a big black beard. Very fat. And he was wearing animal skins. He looked like a caveman.